Some conservative atheists are beginning to think that they might need to partner with Christians in order to successfully overcome the increasing assaults on liberty from the woke left. Of course, this begs the question, what is it that Christians have that the atheists think will assist them in this battle? Well, though they won't admit it, one of the primary weapons Christians have at our disposal is the Word of God. On this week's episode 140 of the Liberty Cafe, we will discuss how we can use the Word of God in this battle by using Amos 5 to help us evaluate Texas government. Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to the Liberty Cafe. I am truly blessed to have you here with me, listening in to the episode this week. And I'm also blessed to be sponsored by Texas Scorecard here at the Liberty Cafe. And I highly encourage you to head over to texasscorecard.com to listen in to their other podcasts and to read the articles and find out more about the fight for liberty going on, particularly here in Texas. Well, last week we began a discussion about whether using the Bible to provide insight into public policies is appropriate. We know that that doing so is certainly controversial, and that's true even in some Christian circles. So to help us better understand the benefits in using the Bible this way, this week I want to begin uh, a two-week dive down into the depths of scriptures and the workings of Texas government. And we will do so using the Word of God brought to us through the prophet Amos. So last week we did an intro. That was Amos part one. This week we're going to start looking into Amos part five, and that's part two. And the next week we will finish up again using Amos chapter five and finishing that application in Amos part three. So this is a three-part series we're going through because I think it's worth taking some time to try and understand how we can apply God's word to the public policy issues going around us. So let's dig in to Amos chapter 5 now. In that book, God is speaking to Israel, and he's calling them back to him. And he says, seek me and live, and seek the Lord and live. Now now we talked last week how some, even many Christians, might say that this, this is a call only to Israel, this ancient nation of Israel that no longer exists in that form, and it has no application in the world today, whether it is to modern-day Israel or to Texas or any other state, local, or national governments. But I think that ignores and deny, or denies or both the fact that Jesus is Lord, we find that in Romans 10.9, that God placed Jesus on his throne, on God's throne, and on Jesus' throne as king, we see that in Psalm 2, and gave Jesus all authority on heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, 18. Thus, all rulers in the world today and all citizens in the world today, just as Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah did when threatened with foreign invasion back in Second Chronicles 20, must seek their preservation and their prosperity in Jesus Christ, their Lord and their King. So I think it's appropriate to use Amos 5 and other passages of Scripture uh, to to judge whether Texas 
is, as a political entity, seeking and living through God. And so that's what we're going to do today. So let's go to verse 7, for instance. We're not going to read the whole thing, but I just want to go through a few of the verses here that I think are appropriate and will help us see some of the flaws in Texas government these days. So verse 7 says, You who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness for the earth. So he's addressing this to Israel. And as we'll see in much of the Old Testament scriptures and also here in Amos, uh, while a lot of these things are addressed to the countries, or to Israel or to Judah, we went through last week that there's two kingdoms. At this point in time, there's a southern kingdom, Judah, which is ruled over by a descendant of David, the king. And then there's a northern ki- kingdom of Israel, which has split off and is being ruled by well, basically people who don't generally believe in God and who rebel against him. Against him. And so in both cases... God is often is speaking to directly to the rulers of these countries, and, and I think we can apply those some of these verses to our rulers today. So, John Calvin, because it's always good to when you're reading Scripture, is to go back and see what other people before you have said about it. So it's not just you trying to make things up. And so we're going to go back and look at what John Calvin, one of the, the great reformers of the um, early 1500s. And he explains in his commentary on Amos chapter 5, verse 7, that, that in, in this passage, Amos reprehends Israel for their wicked and dishonest, dishonest conduct towards men, for their disregard of what was right and equitable, for plunder, cruelty, and fraud. So there's two things I want to, to uh, look at here from what in this passage and what Calvin was talking about when it comes to Texas government. So first, in the last 10 years here in Texas, appropriations of state funds, we're going to look at the budget for a little bit here, appropriations of state funds are up $100 billion. Uh, That's a 76% increase. This is appropriations, all funds appropriated from state revenue, state funds, during a legislative session, 76% increase over the last 10 years. That's almost triple the rate of inflation. Most And most of this increase, which is just almost unbelievable, $69 billion of that $100 billion happened in this legislative session we just had that finished up just uh, in, in late May. So we got a $69 billion increase in spending this time, only $12 billion of that went to Texans back as property tax relief. We had $69 billion in new revenue they could use for new spending. We only got $12 billion back of that as taxpayers. Instead of giving it back to us, they spent it on well, whatever they chose to spend it on. And I, I just have a hard time describing that as anything but plunder. Uh, I really do. You might disagree with me on that, but I think Amos's discussion of plunder here applies very well. Particularly, this is the case, I think, when much of the money was taken from average voters and taxpayers and given to big business interests, paying millions of dollars to plunder-seeking lobbyists in Austin. And there's just no better than definition of plunder than taking from the poor, and we'll add in the middle class as well, 
and then giving the money to bureaucrats who are trying to oppress the poor and the middle class and or big businesses who are really, well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to take money from us through the government rather than asking us for it through the free markets. That's what I call plunder. And I think this is supported in in chapter in verse 11 in Amos chapter 5, where Amos, Amos points out that the leaders of Israel have trampled on the poor and exacted taxes of grain from him. Calvin says this means to tread underfoot or to lay a burden on someone. He goes on, the, the prophet, I doubt not, accuses here the judges, now we're talking about leaders, of the government back then, and I think we can be talking about the leaders of Texas today, he says that the, that the prophet, Amos, accuses the judges of not sparing miserable men, but of burdening them with tributes and exactions, for this is to burden the poor. Of course, uh, Texas leaders today are just not blundering, plundering the poor, as we've discussed. The, the middle class is an even bigger target for them, because that's where much of the money comes from. Yet it is plundering the poor, I think, that is particularly egregious from a biblical perspective. Our leaders try to make up for this plundering by offering welfare to the poor, but, but robbing people and giving them back less than they took, or giving them services that are worse, much worse in many cases, than they could have otherwise purchased and, and then just trapping them in a, in a cycle of poverty that they can't get out of because they've now become reliant on the government. None, none of that relieves our leaders from their moral and ethical guilt of plundering its citizens for the benefit of the wealthy. You know, remember, that kind of sounds like something that we, we could look back to in Robin Hood, for instance. I, I think we need to add to this, though that our leaders are not only plundering the citizens of Texas, but they, in Calvin's words, engaged in dishonest conduct towards men, and also fraud. Uh, For instance, and here's just a few examples of what our leaders are doing to us now here in Texas, they've manipulated the budget in order to make it look like spending was increasing less than it was. And they've done that in multiple ways, and I've talked about that in previous podcasts. But they do whatever they can to make the increase in state spending every two years look like much less than it actually is. And it's it's simply lying. Additionally, so it's not just manipulating the the numbers and the charts and, and how one year biennium relates to another one. This year they took it to a different level. Uh, so they they had $12 billion or so, the legislature did, that they wanted to spend on stuff besides us, right? Um, but they didn't, but they ran out of money to use in the sense that they ran up against the constitutional spending cap. And they only had $1.6 billion or so left on this constitutional spending cap, but they had all this money in the bank that they were prohibited from spending according to the constitutional spending cap. Well, they could have very easily just voted themselves to surpass or bust, as it goes, uh, many people talk about around here, bust the spending cap. But instead of doing that, what they did was they sent that $12 billion of new spending to us, the voters. 
as constitutional amendments, hoping that we would vote in favor of these things and we would, in essence, bust the constitutional spending cap. So we'd have to do it. We would do it for them. Therefore, we can't really blame them, can we, if we vote to do it instead of them. And also, here's another thing that they did to us, deceitful, was almost from the very beginning of session, they lied to us about how much property tax relief we would receive this session. They constantly claimed credit for about $5 billion of property tax relief. They passed back in 2019 and 2021. And they kept saying, oh, that's, uh, that's property tax relief we're doing this session. But no, it's not. You know, yeah, they have to pay for it, but they're also having to pay for property tax relief from 2005, from two, I mean, 2015, 2006, and even back as far as 1997, because it's baked into the budget and increased funding for schools. So, but the reason they did this was so they could claim this $5 billion as new property tax relief, although they're very careful, most of them, not to say new, but they're still claiming it. Because they only wanted to give us about $12 billion. Well, $12 billion of property tax relief isn't the largest property tax relief package in Texas history. That belongs to the $14 billion that was sent to schools in the form of property tax relief uh, back in 2006. So in order to get from $12 billion over $14 billion, they had two choices. One, they could actually give us more property tax relief. Or two, they could just lie about how much is in the package. Well, our, our leaders, unfortunately, decided to lie to us and tell us that there was $12 billion or so plus $5 billion. You add up the, the, the decimal points and stuff, it gets us to about $18 billion or so. So they lied to us in order to go around claiming that this was the largest property tax cut in history. Again, nothing but deceit from these... Um, from our leaders who are not just lying to us, but also defrauding us and cheating us out of our money. All right, and so let's look at one more verse today before we, before we go home. Amos 5.12 says, For I know how many of your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. Okay, so we're going to break this... Um, we're going to break this verse down into two parts. We're going to look at the today. We're going to look at the first at the two portions of that verse. Ye who afflict the righteous, and turn aside the needy at the gates. And then next week we'll look at the middle part where it says who take a bribe. So let's look at these first or these first and last parts of this this verse. So if you if you many of you I'm sure know this, the gates in the ancient cities were where the people could come to the elders. And, and seek uh, redress for, for being wrong. They could see, seek justice for being wrong. They sign contracts there or have complete contracts by having them witnessed by the elders. But So the, the, the gates were where the elders of the city met as, as courts of the city, of courts of the nation, to provide justice through the law. 
And we, we can think of these courts in, in, in several different ways from a modern perspective. I, I think we can look at them judicially, executively, and legislatively. It, it's not quite as neat and clean as it is today. Well, today it's not really neat and clean either, but at least it was laid out to be neat and clean in, in the U.S. Constitution. We can talk about that another day. So applying this verse to our government bodies today would include not just our civil and criminal courts, but also city councils and school boards and commissioner's courts and Texas legislature and the governor's and executive branch. I think we can apply it to all the people who sit in judgment in one way or another over the people. So there, there are a number of examples of Texans who have not received justice in those courts. And I'm just going to go through a very few of them here. And, and this will wrap up with this today. But, you know, it, it says, For I know how many, are, how many are your transgressions, you who afflict the righteous and turn aside the needy at the gate. So this would be talking about those who have been righteous, they're righteous and they come to the, or they're needy and they come to the gate and they're turned aside. So here, here's just a few of those examples. So, for instance, the Uvalde School District, in the not-too-distant past, banned a concerned father, Adam Martinez, from school properties simply because he questioned the qualifications of a new police hire. That's all he did, and he was banned. And then uh, McKinney ISD father, Samuel Hall, was also banned from his kids' campuses after publicly criticizing local school district officials. They're needy. I think because they're trying to help their children in the public schools, and I think they're also righteous because they're saying the right things about these schools. Let's move on. And then this is one from a few years past, but it's still the law of the land here in Texas. Uh, The city of Rollett up in the Metroplex um, condemned property uh, from a property owner in order to build a driveway for a neighboring retail development that refused to pay the price for the driveway for the driveway that their neighbor wanted. So these people wanted to build a grocery store on their property. They wanted direct access to the Walmart, I think it was, which was on the other side of this piece of property in question. So they went to their neighbor and said, "Hey, can we will you build a driveway across your property so our our grocery store can have more better access to the customers who are over at Walmart?" And the property said, people, owners of the property said, sure, we'll be happy to do that. And here's the price it's going to cost you to have that access. Well, the owners of the grocery store property didn't want to pay that price. And so they went to the city of Rollett. And then the city of Rollett condemned the driveway for them. Um, and who, who benefited out, out of that? Well, probably not the state of Texas or the people of Texas who could just as easily have driven around this. No, it's the guy who owned the piece of property for that had the grocery store on it because he got more rent, more rent payments from the grocery store than he would have otherwise, right? Clearly a wrong thing. And then finally, we'll just talk about, this is a 13-year-old case, but it's another one very much like it is going on today. So 13 years ago, the Texas General Land Office sought to condemn... Uh, a beach house owned by Carol Severance in violation, this was, you know, in violation of the law, the, the Texas Open Beaches Act provisions in, in the Texas Constitution. And then later, despite a Supreme, uh, despite the fact that the Texas Supreme Court and the Fifth Circuit Court overruled the unconstitutional 
constitutional taking, so they didn't get to take Miss Severance's property uh, and knock down her, her house on the beach. Because what happens here is usually, uh, you know, you're, you've got a beach house and you're up in the dunes or in the grass. Well, a storm comes through and washes away a bunch of the beach. And all of a sudden your house is sitting on the beach. And that's typically where the public goes. Well, the Open Beaches Act says that you can walk on the beach if there's been an easement established there from years and years of use. Well, all, if a storm comes through and all of a sudden a house is sitting on the beach... There's not an easement there. The easement was on the beach out in the water. But the and the general land office tried to just knock down her house. But what happens generally with this is if you give it a little time, the natural currents will redeposit sand out there. And this house will move from the beach back up into the grass and there's no problem anymore. That's not what the general land office tried to do. The court struck that down. But then the legislature, at the behest of the general land office, a little bit after that, put the general land office's policies into law unconstitutionally. And now that law is being used again to try and take somebody else's house on the beach. So there's just four examples of... of People who are righteous and needy being uh, treated in a way that I think Amos, the prophet, and God behind him would condemn the state of Texas for. So, thank you for listening uh, to the episode this week of the Liberty Cafe. So, we're going we're gonna to take a break here, like I said, and next week finish our brief excursion into Amos chapter 5 by, by looking at and how the biblical concept of bribery might help us better understand some of the problems with our civil government today. So thanks again for being here, and thanks once again also to the sponsor of the Liberty Cafe, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate this show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.